Pick the Nintendo Shack and pray. Frederick from Fire Emblem Awakening says, yo. Greetings, Kooplings, and welcome back to the Nintendo Shack. My name is Donnie Reese, and tonight we are recording episode 177, where we promise we won't talk about the Switch Pro tonight. <laughs> well, you just <laughs> talked about it now. <laughs> uh, I'm joined by Rebecca and Garrett, as I am each and every week. And instead of going through the Patreon producers, which obviously mm -hmm. we thank you guys each and every episode, I wanted to show some kudos and credit to Rebecca, who has been hard at work over at Streamlabs. Streamlabs, what is it? Streamlabs slash PSVG slash merch. Something like that. Who cares? We'll put it in the description <laughs> notes in the podcast. But we have uh, a merch store that she's gone, and we've got a lovely Xbox Empire stuff and Nintendo Shack stuff, and you get PSXP hoodies, Strong Style, Board of Video Games. Um, we put all that stuff up a couple weeks ago. She's been working on it, um, so this is really her baby um, to take over for the team. And uh, we got a lot of different colors, and 100% we are selling everything at cost. We don't make 50 cents on any purchase here at all. This is just for PSVG fans that, that would really like to have a t-shirt or a hoodie. We wanted to try and make it as cheap and as attainable as possible. So everything they're very affordable for, too. Um, yeah, I need to like order a couple. What is it? Thirteen dollars for a t-shirt, twenty-five dollars for a hoodie. You That's can't like, get a normal hoodie for that price, right? Like, yeah. Yep, that, is, that is some 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 affordable stuff. So if you guys want to go rep your shows, if you have ideas for for designs or something, I, I I hope that we can add to this in the future. Who knows if we have a house party 2.0 or something like that, we'll continue to add more and more stuff here. But I at least wanted to take it uh, the opportunity proper to thank Rebecca for doing this as I well as to show everybody what it looks like. Design any of these shirts. I don't want you making people think that I designed them. I, I stuck <laughs> our logos on on merchandise <laughs> you still jump through all of the hoops to do it i give you, you if know. if any listeners um do buy any of our merchandise take a picture of it tweet it at us we would love to see it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we'll put that in the notes rebecca what you been playing <laughs> I've been playing a big Elgato simulator. Oh my gosh. I've been having the biggest stream issues. We were talking about it. I have not gone a single day this week without having some kind of tech issues on my stream. Um, but despite that, I have been playing Nintendo stuff actually for the first time in a few weeks. Nice. Um, kind of finishing a few things that I have started long ago. I'm, I'm on spring break this week for work, so I've had a little bit of extra time going back to some old stuff that I started long ago and haven't really finished for whatever reason. Um, I, in honor of Mario's uh, 35th anniversary coming to an end yesterday, I finally went back and I finished um, uh, Super Mario Bros. 3, which nice. I started on stream, I think, earlier in the month. And um, I finally beat that game and I wanted nice. to do it with the frog suit. I wanted to beat Bowser with the frog suit. So I used rewind. I cheated um, to get through the end, but I really wanted to defeat <laughs> him with the frog suit. That was like my goal. Um, so I did that. And then also throughout this week, I finally went back to Metroid Prime because I made a bet with somebody and I lost the bet. 
Um, and I have to finish all three Metroid Primes in a timely manner now, which I started. I started quite a while ago. I think I started the first one more than a year ago now. But I finally went back this week and I finished it. I finished it just like maybe an hour or two before the stream. Oh, wow. And? I started it on stream and I wanted to beat it on stream, but then I had tech issues. So I beat it off stream. And I really, really, really like uh, Metroid Prime. I think I prefer 2D Metroid, but there were a lot of things about the 3D Metroid that I did enjoy. What I didn't like about it was the artifact hunt that um, have either. I, I know, Garrett, you haven't, have you haven't played, played it. it. Did you play Metroid Prime at all? Oh, yeah. It's been since the Wii U re-release, maybe since the last time I even popped it on. And I, I didn't beat it then. I just bought it and played it a bit. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. But I loved those games. I love it too. Um, the the artifact hunt at the end because I hadn't really been doing it all the like you can do part of it all the while while you're playing, but then some of them you can't really get until the end. And it kind of reminded me of the Triforce hunt at the end mm -hmm. of Wind Waker, right before the final stretch at the end, yeah. um, because you have to do that. You have to find all twelve artifacts before you can go into the impact crater and beat the game. Um, it was very tedious. It had me trekking across the whole world, uh, back and forth multiple times, trying to <laughs> decipher these hints, trying to figure wow. out where the last couple artifacts were. Even with a guy, you know, it's it was a oh, little bit Ninja um, that game really could have benefited from some sort of fast travel, which I know is kind of against the whole point of a Metroid game. Um, but that late in the game, I don't want to be going across the entire world back and forth 15 times to find these artifacts. Yeah, it's, um, that's an issue that I've brought up. Uh, I remember I replayed Resident Evil 2 and it dawned on me just how much backtracking you're constantly doing that game and how much mm -hmm. you're just going over your own footsteps over and over mm -hmm. again. It's, yeah, Which I get I, is part of the genre. I get that. But that late in the game, I feel like it's not about the exploration at that point. Um, it's crazy. When I played it as a kid, right, it never bothered. It never even dawned mm -hmm. on me. That's what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. But I played it, you know, 15 years later. I'm like, I never want to do this again. We don't want to waste our time anymore. Yeah. yeah it was, so it was a lot. Time I feel precious. like after the first five or six artifacts, I was kind of done with that hunt. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, I really liked the boss fights in that game. I thought they were all very good. There was only one boss that gave me a lot of trouble, um, but I, I ended up doing it. Um, I think the final boss fight was very good. Um, oh, teleporting in, in Samus Returns. Oh, that's so good to know. Yeah, in the <laughs> 2DS, so 3DS Returns. Version, yeah. I'm playing that next. so damn good. It's that's what so I'm playing good. next for Metroid. It's really good. So. It, so. I really yeah. want to play the other Metro games because yeah, of that yeah. game. Okay, that's that's next for me. That's very encouraging. The final boss fight was very good. I did it in my first try. Um, so that was exciting. Um, I liked it. I, I want to play more Metroid games. I want to be more of a Metroid fan. I do think I prefer the 2D games, though. But I'm going to keep going. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't know if... Hmm. I think I would probably prefer the 2D. Like, if you were to ask me, you can have one or the other next. Which would it be? My, my answer is easily 2D, but I, I did enjoy like the spectacle and the big game feel that Metroid Prime had at the time. Yeah. I just don't know if that's my expectation, I guess, these days. I think the other thing with me is that the first person control, especially with like the Wii Motes and stuff, I get um, very bad motion sickness. Like I have to take breaks when I'm playing that game. And it's it's not a fault of Metroid. It's the fault of the first person. Like I get that with kind of any first person shooter game. I get a lot of motion sickness. Mm. Even like an hour after I'm playing, I'm still feeling a little bit nauseous. My wife uh, says that when she sees me mm -hmm. play mm. games like that or anything that I feel it didn't even have to be first person. I, she was saying that I, I was playing when I play The Last of Us, 
the camera is just in constant movement because yeah, I, I constantly know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right, I'm just checking drawers and constantly moving and spinning around and stuff like that. She's like, I don't understand what you're doing yeah. or how you're doing this. And I think that's made worse with the Wii remotes because yeah. I can't get them to work. Like they go everywhere, and <laughs> the camera shakes, and then I'm spinning. Oh, oh my gosh! And then some of those Metroids, my goodness. But I would still really like for them to release the trilogy on the Switch so I could maybe play it with better controls. Um, and maybe not get as much motion sickness because I, I like the ex- uh, exploration aspect of it and I like the atmosphere and I like the music and I like the enemies and the bosses. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all that I've really been up to. Um, just kind of, like I said, going back to some older stuff, kind of tying loose ends together of stuff that I've put off and want to get back to. Makes sense. Nice. I uh, started up a couple new games. Um, I beat Bowser's Fury oh, last you did. week. Cool. Actually, before we talked last week, I just didn't talk about it on the show last week. How'd you like it? It was good. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I think about after so many of those shines and stuff, like I, I kind of got you it. I didn't 100% it. it. That's ultimately, <laughs> right, right. yeah, like after, when I beat it, I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't need It's one of those, like, I, you could do, do more, this. but yeah. like, you, you get what it is. Yeah. Basically, yeah. So I was, I was been, I've been looking for something new to play, and uh, a game that came out this week is Kaze and the Wild Masks, mm-hmm. which uh, just released. And I played this game a demo. Um, it was on the summer demo event for Steam and Xbox last year, mm-hmm. and I played the demo. And um, it's a basically it's a it's like Donkey Kong um, or like Sonic. You know, it, it's like that style of game. It's not okay. Sonic like racing. Don't get you know. Don't don't start seeing like Sonic run around and the screen move real fast. It's not that fast at all. Um, it feels like a Donkey Kong game. It looks like Sonic. Like it's mm-hmm. got that you know Sega platformer kind of aesthetic oh, cool. to it. Yeah. Um, but you do collect Kazi in in like Donkey Kong little. They look just like the Donkey Kong symbols. This is K-A-Z-E. <laughs> you got to go find them. And they have like bonus stages that you hop into and it teleports you. Oh, that's you. Donkey Kong country yeah. right there. Yeah, it's, it's a lot like that. $29.99. It's oh, oh, pretty wow. tough. I've died a few times and I think I'm only in like level 10. So that like pushed back. That's a little earlier than I expect most games to kind of start to push back, especially the bonus levels. Some of the bonus levels, they're all, they're like time trials. So it's like, you know, race to get all these coins in 25 mm-hmm. seconds or defeat yeah, yeah. 12 people in 25 seconds. Um, and then the the thing is these certain levels have like themes that you find the mask and like you can fly and do stuff like that. So it kind of changes the traversal. It's pretty tough. It's pretty good. I like it. It's definitely a quality platformer. I give it that. I definitely give a, a hat tip for it being a very good platformer, which puts me in a strange place because like, the new Mario Bros. games are ex- are excellent platformers, right? Right. Like Deluxe U, that's $60. This is half that. So it's pretty good. But at the same time, there are also so many indie games that offer similar type stuff. Like I think of like Ukulele's last outing, right? Yeah. Impossible Lair. Mm-hmm. That that thing is easily attainable for like 9 14 16 bucks. I think Ukulele's better Right, so I think this is kind of on the lower end, but considering it just came out and I need something to play, like I'm not having any buyer's regret or anything like that. It's it's good. It's cool. real good. I'm enjoying it. It's it's very cute. Um, the character's a bunny. They do have these platforming sections where she hangs by her ears. 
Aww. So like and, and like you just kind of and she'll pick up things and throw it where their ears to. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of standard platforming affair. What you'd expect it, for something is, like this? Do, do, do they do a helicopter thing like Dixie Kong? Yeah. Or like yeah? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, so like, like when you jump and hold, yeah, yeah, you do a little. Um, and uh, it looks great. I've played on both the TV and the portable. It looks really, really great. You know, nice, crisp, vibrant stuff. Music's good. So yeah, it's good. A little bit it's better good. than the other platformer that came out on Switch in the past week. Oh, yeah. Which one? Balan. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> That's so outside it's, of it's mine. Barely a platformer. <laughs> like, I've just I been know. seeing people rag on it all week long. And then uh, I bought a game on the last sale called Freedom Finger. And yes. when Freedom Finger was announced, it caught some waves because it's got like Nolan North and stuff in it. <laughs> and uh, it's got like a cast. You're like, wow, what is what is this game? And I played it, and this is a freaking game, guys. Like, it, one, I mean, in all seriousness, it is a really, really good like bullet hell, like shoot 'em up kind of game. It's it's fun in that regard. Um, so you 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 pilot a ship, which looks like a hand giving the middle finger. Okay, yeah, <laughs> That's this what's is up. this is on our Twitter right now, Rebecca. <laughs> It is totally Donnie's game. And I saw this, I'm like, oh, I saw oh, the wow. tweets popping up. I didn't look at them, but I saw like a lot at once. <laughs> yeah. And you go on these like bullet hell side scrolling things where you just blow up everything. So at the beginning of the game, the colonel that sets you off in your mission, he goes, your ship's got two weapons, fist and finger. <laughs> So you you know exactly what you're getting into. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> There's lots of cussing. It's very like Adult Swim, uh, Beavis and Butthead almost Aww. like kind of stuff. Um, very like comic-y stuff. Uh, and then Rebecca, my best sell that I could give to you, uh -oh. some incredible punk rock music. I'm Ooh. only like three or four levels in, and already I'm just like, this is nuts. And it seems like they- they synchronize yeah. like the action on screen like to the choruses of the song. So like when the song really hits, like the screen gets real busy and lots of enemies start coming and they start coming from all different directions and angles and obviously they shoot different projectiles. And it's really just it's you know, it's not like a bullet hell like super hard, but it's like that kind of on screen, like how what it's appearing like. It's like a shoot 'em up bullet. It's like very arcadey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. How much you, is it? Uh, oh, I bought it when it was on sale for 12 bucks or something i don't okay. know it's one of those every cheap. time i see something that like mm -hmm. if i'm listening on twitter and stuff and a game comes out and gets good reviews or lots of folks start covering it, whatnot if i'm interested in it, i'll throw up my wish list and then i just wait for that little email from nintendo it's like hey a game in your wish list is on sale this was one of those and i, I was just like buy it was cheap enough for me to buy put in my birthday to even view it on the Nintendo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that sounds about right. It's still on sale. It's $6 right now. It's $6. Normally, yeah, it's normally 15 Absolutely buy it. $6 okay, is like absolutely buy it. It's buy it really, right really good. Buy it for the music alone. The music alone is worth $6. I think I have gold points. And it does, uh, Nolan North uh, does, you know, voiceover. I'm pretty sure he's the colonel. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, it just, from the get-go, it's very funny. And, and he's, he starts talking about how, like, your ship is made of the highly sought-after silicone like that, oh, you know, yeah. and then he, yeah, and then he's like, it's the same plastic stuff that's in my wife's face and my ex-wife's face. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, 
it's like that. There's uh, when you're in your ship and you're like looking at the piloting window. There's like bags of Cheetos. There's a bong on the side. It's just it's very much yeah. that. It knows exactly what it, it is, and it just. I kind saw of in the loading screen that. it was making fun of George Bush or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> this is like totally our age group, by the I way. Like like <laughs> That's it. exactly what this is. So uh, I had fun with it. The other thing that I'm going to do. To pass the time, um, because mm-hmm. ooh, Star Wars Republic Commando comes out this week. I did not know that. Oh, on Switch. Okay, I cool. pre-ordered it, and apparently my pre-order went through, and I just saw the icon pop, and I was like, oh, I'm excited for that. I'm really excited for that. It's Joe's Jack, by the way. He's, if you guys, if anybody Star follows my Xbox profile, you've probably oddly seen me in Star Wars Battlefront in the last two weeks. Oh, it's good not for me. him. It's Jack. That's he, awesome. That's a good game. Yeah, he's, a, it, it is a good it's game. It's like he's evolving from Fortnite to that. Like That's he's a- found that, and now he's really into it. Gross. He's playing it every day. So is he obsessed with Star Wars now? He watch all the episodes and stuff. Oh, he's been done done. He, oh, he goes okay. back and he's forth, back and forth. That's See, this tub. is why everybody that I know that has yes. played Republic Commando, it is. they everybody talks about how good it is. I'm so excited that's come to Switch, and uh, you know I like a good shooter, and I need something to play. I got nothing to like snap. So I'm just like trying to fill time. So that's why I'm messing around with this type of stuff. Speaking of messing around with stuff, I download I, I downloaded the beta test for Knockout City. Do you guys remember oh, that from yes. the direct? The the dodgeball, the EA. dodgeball mm. arcade, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that's an open beta this weekend. So if cool. anybody's like me and not playing Monster Hunter, <laughs> and you need something to play, like that demo is on the eShop. You can go download it for free. You can play for the weekend. So I'm looking forward to playing some of that tomorrow. And then I'll let you guys know what that's like next week. Cool. So without further no. ado, Garrett Bland. Yes. Tell us about Monster Hunter. Oh, Monster Hunter. Oh, my gosh. Guys, it's really good. It's um, this, this is... Uh, Pretty much a, a great successor to what the previous Monster Hunter games are. Um, it is a mixture of Monster Hunter World and the handheld Monster Hunter games we had on the 3DS. Kind of mix of both. Um, it is, but it's still Monster Hunter. So when you get into it, you're going to go into monsters. You're going to grind. Same type of combat, same weapons. Um, Did you see I'm, that article this week that came out that said it's not good for newcomers? Yeah, that's the Kotaku article. Which was, I, I have a little bit of gripe with that. It was opposite to the article that I shared with you the week before. It was saying yeah. how good it was. I was like, what is even happening? <laughs> so uh, I read both articles, by the way. Um, if you are willing to learn the systems and tutorial, get pa- get past like two hours of the game and kind of get what's going on, then it's really nice to newcomers. If you just want to go into a multiplayer game nothing to do with learning anything, then you're not going to have a good time. It's not one of those games you can really jump in as a newcomer and figure everything out. No, you have to go through the tutorials. There's many kind of tutorial boxes and pop-ups within the first hour and a half. That's okay with me. I kind of have to understand its systems within those hour, two hours or whatever. Once I figured out that and I got my weapon. So my favorite weapon right now is dual blades because I like things pretty fast and like making sure I can dodge the monsters pretty well. I know other people like larger weapons so they can like do heavy hitting on the monsters, like like tons of damage. Um, I know some other people like range. So I love how the combat is. It's the same as previous Monster Hunter games where it's just it suits your style and you can switch whenever you want, right? You're not embedded into one weapon. You can 
do all sorts of different weapons. Um, another th- big thing about this game, which is I think is better than Monster Hunter World, is the uh, kind of the versatility of the game, how fast you're going through a mission. So you actually drop into a hub world just like Monster Hunter World, and you there's no load times in between these compartmentalized sections, but more open, and you could j- just go straight to the monster. You use the wire bugs a lot, and the wire bugs, you kind of like, it's like kind of a hook shot in the air where you can just... Do you find do- it hard keeping up with the players in your party and stuff, like if you all just go running at something? Um, no, because you either have a palimut, which is your dog, and so you you guys all ride together, which is kind of dope, and then um, I guns pretty okay with the wire bug acrobatic stuff, where I can just go, I can go as high as I want to... That was Pretty, one of the things I was thinking about in the demo yeah. because I, I was getting like weird, wacky places with the wire bug. And I was like, I wonder if you're all trying to go to a point and you all just kind of go off in your separate directions. Somebody goes high and somebody goes low. Like, do you lose each other? Does it does it even well, matter? Once it you doesn't get there? really matter because you're going to the monster right. you're going to hunt. And so however you go about it, to get does it there, zap right? everybody to you? Like when they get there, or do you, do you no. have to wait for everybody to get there? No, no, you don't have to wait or anything. It's all free form where like whoever's there. Oh, okay. Go start attacking that monster because it's you got a time limit to, I gotcha. to figure that. Or if you want to wait for your previous guys to come in to make sure everyone's attacking together, you could do that too. How it's do v- you very coordinate? How do you coordinate which monster you're going to attack? Oh, so each mission, it's like you're going to hunt this monster. Okay, it's so set. it's it's linear. It's set. It's like laid out in front of you. Right. You're in a hub world and you pick a quest. That's either you're going to hunt a large monster, you're going to hunt small monsters, or you're going to gather some resources in a hub world. And these hub, or not hub world, sorry, these different kind of hunting areas. And so, okay, I'm we're going to choose this quest. It's uh, the Aknosum in this first world. And so we're going to do okay. that. Hang on. Maybe yeah. I, I think I can ask my question better. What if you've already done the, the quest that well, somebody else is, hasn't done or like who's the leader how do you determine like how do you squad up like that oh uh, well you get to choose who the leader is so i joined with brendan uh mm-hmm. one day and so he was the party leader so he chose okay. the quest and so i joined with him on that quest. okay so, so there is a party multiple, leader you can do it multiple times like if you've already yes. hunted a monster yeah. you could just do it again yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Unless everything you didn't is, want to. This is, I guess, yeah. is the point I was kind of making. Yeah. Exactly. So everything about this is just repeatability. So if you do previous quests, that's fine, I think, because I just get more materials sure. and just okay. hanging out with other people in general. So it's kind of like handsome. It it's I mean Monster Hunter is like, I mean, Anthem's kind of like Monster Hunter. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking out loud. I'm just thinking in my own brain. Remember, I've never played Monster Hunter, like, yeah. ever got into it. So I'm that trying to like relate. That was like me. I was like, I was like, Earthbound's a lot like Undertale. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other big thing that's always been in these games is the grinding and getting the material. So I Fun. got, yeah, I, I beat this monster five times. I got my full armor set with my my palamute and with my uh meowster my 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 uh, meowster mercenary and uh i it's so dope to have everything uniform have all the weapons together i love how the different monsters um brings out different elements in my dual blades and so it could be fire it could be electric um my weapons also have like certain amount of sharpness and so when you are on a mission 
when you attack with melee weapons, your sharpness goes down and you have to refill that gauge and that takes amount of time. So um, there's a lot of different mechanics. I'm still trying to sink my like stuff like into. Um, there's a lot of just different weapons I need to try as well. Um, but I, so far, guys, this is good. This, I mean, I th- I think I want to play this mm, for the next uh, until Monster Hunter Stories Two hit at least on wow. the Switch. Nice. Like this is gonna be my main game. I still want to finish um, Persona Strikers and do something with Bravely Default too. But Monster Hunter is gonna be my evergreen game this year, where Excellent. I'm just gonna keep going back to it. And it's really not that bad if you're um, going into a mission. It can take. 10 minutes if you're on an easy mission it can take the whole time 50 minutes um if you're on a really hard mission and i'm glad that this game allows you to do various difficulties depending on what you're in the mood for at the time um the single player and the multiplayer are kind of separate too so you progress the single player missions by itself and try to progress through that and then the multiplayer they're the same quests and in, in missions and stuff like that but it's just with the multiplayer people and they have different perks over there um and then another big thing is that there are different skills now i can rotate with my dual wield so x is like heavy attack a is like light attack and i switch that light attack skill and it's really cool because it's either like I chain a like a light attack to the monster, but now I jump and fly around that monster. Um, so it there's just so many layers it keeps giving you, and I'm glad it's not like showing everything in front of you like r- right then and there. But it's just like okay, you've been playing for five hours. Now let's add another thing in here and and show you what else you can do with it. So I'm having a really good time having a ball. I'm so glad you're having fun with it. Me too. Uh, Monster Hunter World, I mean, I liked it. I was just, I dropped off because I was playing on PC and I didn't have any other people playing on PC with me. Even though it was a really good game, it's just, I was like, yeah, I don't want to play by myself like all the time. But now in Monster Hunter, we got so many people in PSVG. I was just about to, that's what I was just about to ask. How are the, uh, the hunting parties going? Uh, uh, We haven't arranged a huge party yet. Maybe this weekend. Um, but I, I played with Brendan like for a couple hours on Sunday and that was pretty dope. What's the uh, most number of people that you can have in one hunt? I think four, four, four. people. I, I, someone correct me on it if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's four people Okay. Uh, into a mission. We did open up a uh, channel in the discord. So we've got a tag. You can tag people yes. if you're looking for a hunting party. We also have their own room where you can go and just talk about your awesome gear, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> According to Garrett, we we talk about everything <laughs> in there. It, it's just like where we're at in the game. Um, some people will talk about the rampage mode. That's that's kind of yeah. new. Um, from what I'm reading and hearing, it's like it's kind of a cool uh, like defense tower thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people worried it was going to be very gimmicky. It's like, oh, they're just trying something new. But it sounds like it's pretty tense and pretty rewarding in the end. Um, I was just about to play it, but. Um, I, well, we're recording the show right now, so I can't do that. I'll probably play it right after. Nice. I'm having nice. a good time. Well, I am very excited for you and I'm glad <laughs> that you're, that you know, we have somebody on the show that's covering this as a marquee release. I always hate it when there's a big release that, you know, like heaven forbid if Caroline like had quit before Animal Crossing, <laughs> like know, Animal right? Crossing would have just have launched and I'm like, well, sorry folks. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, I like that very much. So mm-hmm. maybe one day, Garrett. Probably not. Maybe one day. No, probably, probably not. not. All right. This week in Nintendo, let's talk about Fortnite's upgrade. Um, they came out and they said they're they're making some updates to your to your save file, which will actually save you 140 uh, megabytes to your uh, save file. Or I mean, to your uh, to the installation mm-hmm. via an upgrade to the renderer on Switch. A boost to resolution can now be found in both portable and dock modes. The portable mode is going from 1,560p to 1,170 by 660p. You're not going to see that difference. Docked goes from 1,390 to 780. I mean, from 1,390, 780 to 1,560, Um, I saw the difference. 1,000 and 1,170 on a handheld. There is a, um, it's like a, it's not like a, a drastic change, but it mm-hmm. does look a little bit sharper. Like, like the okay. details, like when you look at foliage, which like the, they have like the new wild update and stuff, mm-hmm. like the trees look more realistic. They have more def- definition oh, on the okay. leaves and stuff. Um, instead of just kind of looking like, you know, kind of like the blurry the shape. Yeah. Green like, construction paper. <laughs> yeah. They have like their yeah. own little shape now. So like, I, I definitely noticed a difference. It's a, sm- it's a marginal difference, but I noticed it. It's different. Did they do this out of nowhere? Or did they say <laughs> yeah. that they were going to? Just, to me, I don't follow it as much as most, but I do try to keep following Fortnite, um, you know, because I update Jack on this type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm always watching Jack play. So I was following and I didn't hear anything about this at all. And then like just the day it came out, they're like, hey, by the way, your game's better today. I was like, that's cool. Trying to think about why. Why, yeah. am I um, why are they? We said, we said we wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. I'm the one bringing it up. Hmm. <laughs> uh, that Pikmin game. Is getting an update. Everybody was talking about what could it be and all that. Well, we we now know what it, at least what we think it is in beta due yeah. to its alpha access over in Singapore where they're playing it. Pikmin app, as it's currently known, starts by giving players several Pikmin seedlings in an item bag. Seedlings then grow by absorbing step energy generated by you walking around with the app and can be plucked once enough energy has been accumulated for growth. Um, they got Pikmin all different names and colors, the types that we've all known. There's also a new decor Pikmin, which uh, you can either grow or, or, or find by interacting with them in certain locations that can, like, wear stuff. So you can have costumed Pikmin, um, which was funny to watch people talk about that on Twitter. They're like, I can't believe they're doing this. It's like, really? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Uh, as players walk around the world, they'll discover new seedlings, pick up items along the way like fruit. Fruit converts into nectar, which you'll give to the Pikmin so they can bloom flowers, which uh, will have petals that you can collect. And then flower planting is a walking mode that forms flower trails as you walk. There are currently no microtransactions in the beta game. So, hmm. I think this will be something that I download to check out and maybe use it if I'm out for a walk or something like that. But I don't really find myself getting excited for this. There was a part of me with the flower trail I was wanting to know. Like, is it possible that a year after this game launches, like you can open up and see a map of all the flower trails that everybody has walked? I mean, maybe. M- maybe. That's kind of cool, right? That could be interesting if it's different flower like does trails. It, yeah, does it store the flower trail or is that just like a little thing that when you're playing you get to see and then when you you know when you leave it erases? That, I don't that, know if they would keep that kind of data. That was the that, only thing I was data. really thinking. Well, it, I guess it's just tracking history. 
right? You're right. literally changing the skin of a tracking history tracer with flowers. Yeah. Because I thought that was cool. In like, yeah. You might be able to see your own. Wild. Your own. I don't know if, I mean, maybe they would let you share it. Because I think it would be cool if they like share a screenshot and they're like, look at all the flowers that the Pikmin walkers created or something. Still not enough for me to play it. I mean, I'm, no. I'm, I'm not excited by any of this. You're just looking at Pikmin and letting them grow. Is, is that how I'm? Yeah. Okay. And then so, there might be okay. like a, an orange or something that you see in the AR that you can throw your Pikmin at. Mm. Jeff Grubb's excited. I'm hey. sure he is. Hey, that's right, Jeff Grubb. <laughs> I'm excited. That's all that matters. Hey, there you go, Jeff. I'm sure you'll be doing all the flower trails out there <laughs> in the nine feet of snow that you're currently sitting oh, on. Oh, no. <laughs> Still. Yeah, um, I could see myself booting it up if I'm already out for a walk. I don't really see myself purposely going out and playing this. Hmm, yeah, yeah. I would be curious to what this looks like because, I mean, it just doesn't sound like a mobile game at all. It's just taking care of your Pikmin. And that's what and, Miyamoto was really kind of referring yeah. to, right? And he was like, it's a like an experience. They were trying to, right. it's like it's a separate experience. thing. It's a separate thing. I was actually thinking it'd be more like fitness-based, and maybe it will be. I was thinking it'd be a little more of like a long-term pedometer or something like that. Like a fitness app, but with a Pikmin skin on it. Yeah, yeah. It'll definitely count your steps, but yeah. maybe not heart rate or anything like that. <laughs> anyway, please be excited. Now... Maybe for uh, a topic that Jeff Grubb might actually want to chime in on. E3 is considering putting parts of its digital show behind a paywall was the story that came out earlier today. Mm -hmm. E3 then came out after the story came out, like very shortly, 20 minutes later, they're like, no, no, <laughs> it's free for all attendees. But, but I do think it's worth pointing out. They did still did not say that there wouldn't be a pay for something. I'm sure there will be um, for them to fund the event. There there will probably be a tier mm. where maybe you get access to some kind of demo, exclusive demos or something. Like they, they're not going to charge to make people see the trailers and stuff. So you like, don't yeah. think? Let's talk about okay. So this article came out from the Video Games Chronicle. And they said that, you know, like, hey, E3 is considering putting demos behind a $35 paywall for the event. And very quickly... As I was talking about, and I, I actually reached out to Jeff and was talking about it in our Discord a lot. People were really mad. <laughs> like yeah, people surprisingly were like, this angry. <laughs> is awful. This is terrible. And I was a little taken aback because, mm -hmm. well, as listeners to our show have known, because I've got years of evidence you can pull from this. I love the idea of E3 at home. This is a kind of my, in my dream since I started podcasting. I, I'm actually always wondered why E3 was so focused on a convention center. It's like, this is gaming. We all have boxes connected to the internet, connected to our TVs. Why aren't all of us in on this fun? So the article that came out said, like, they're going to release an app. They're going to have demos through GeForce Now, I guess, uh, through NVIDIA, where you could okay. demo some of the early stuff using the cloud. So obviously you need good internet and all that. And it would be behind a paywall. My take when I've read the first article, I glanced through it, read through the highlights. My take was how cool would it be if I paid the ESA 35 bucks and I got to play some show floor demos through the cloud and I maybe got to sit in on 
like an exclusive interview or a panel or a, de- a developer interview or a showcase of a no yeah, i think all sure. this i never thought the showcases would be behind the wall well not I, the big I, showcase yeah, i mean, no I mean the I th- very small invi- invite only ones that was everybody's first idea you mean i gotta pay 35 dollars to see xbox do yeah i never <laughs> even be dumb <laughs> i never even thought that was even possible like that's the whole point of e3 is to make that as big as as many people yeah. as possible so um i i realized quickly I was like, ooh, I should have maybe, I guess, n- noted that. But I, so assuming that all the showcases would be public and free, um, you put some demos available, you let people have access to it. Maybe you have, like, in, like I said, an exclusive interview, like maybe Suda51 sits down and answers questions or something like that, right? Um, you do something like that. I was even thinking, like, I, I floated on Twitter, like, what if the what if you could pay more to even get, like, a swag bag? You get, like, a T-shirt or a wristband or like any of the stuff they normally do. Like I get it. It's, it's weird, right? Because they can't have people, but they have to make up for what going on two years now of lost revenue. Like That hurts them. Like I, yeah, I wasn't opposed to paying for it. Wasn't E3 like one of their major revenue streams? Yeah, no, it, it funded most right. a lot of their stuff. Yeah. It was the big one. And they're the, and, and, and they're the lobbyist for, for, are for any gaming right for yeah for our so, government yes they, they 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 mainly so they they oversee the the ratings board and right, they the do board. most of the lobbying based on like copyright infringement or any legislation that inadvertently of like affects the industry so they lobby on behalf of their mm-hmm. membership behalf of nintendo xbox playstation if jeff's here and i'm saying that wrong please correct me but yeah i mean that's that's always been my understanding that's what they do they do yeah. a lot of things like they they do a lot of important things uh adam in the chat says why would a publisher want their demo behind a paywall it defeats a purpose i mean but why why does anybody have a demo that's available on the show floor that's not available digitally like that's it's kind of the same thing like if you're charging somebody a ticket which is what they were doing to come to E3 mm-hmm. to experience the demo that you're doing the same thing. That's, that doesn't really change if it's being streamed. It's the same thing. And even the streaming probably comes at a greater cost than doing it on the show floor mm-hmm. where you actually have some control over the actual boxes or PCs that are running it. I, I'm thinking of the small little interviews or, or whatever that we saw in previous E3s that were invite to the press only. Yeah. Um, and then we, we saw the public saw it three months later or something like that. And and the biggest one I, I think of is cyberpunk. And I remember press going to the cyberpunk preview event, um, them writing about it and then seeing that video three months later, if you have those type of level of publishers in there in this $35, uh, exclusive content to make you feel special and exclusive, I think that would be kind of cool. And that's see. the key, right? And Jeff brings it up. He says, I think exclusivity could help, but I think the publishers will just throw peanuts at the ESA. The very first thing that yeah. I saw was it's like, what kind of demos? Really, that's mm-hmm. what matters, right? Mm-hmm. Because Steam has their demo like summer thing. Xbox has their summer thing. But to be honest with you, most of that stuff is indie stuff. That, it is know, a like, lot of indies. We're yeah. not talking about going hands-on with Breath of the Wild 2 or the new Assassin's Creed or like a major, major right. game, you know, like we're expecting a lot of big games coming out this this fall already, right? Dying Light, um, um, any of the Zelda things, there's lots and lots and lots of games. We can cover them all. There's a new battle Battlefront, Battlefield, all yeah. that stuff's coming out. So like if any of those were there, I could see warning, you know, a ticket for that. What would be the, the benefit of the publishers, though, to put out a demo behind this paywall 
as opposed to just putting it out as a free demo on Steam or something like that for more people to get. Why, why would exclusivity matter for that? I feel like there's not a lot of incentive there for them to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they're already doing... I mean, if they're already paying to present... like That, that I still don't understand. Like I still don't understand if these publishers are going to pay to be part of Digital E3. The right? examples... Like, yeah, the examples you put out is like companies and publishers that are probably going to do their own stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's separate from E3. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure why. Well, another thing is maybe publishers want a focus group, right? A focus audience that, you know, this 35, whatever paywall it is, it's just adding an ex- extra like pay thing to, to see an audience that could be really excited. I remember for a lot games. of these big publishers are already members of, of they are members so, yeah. so like maybe they just want to support it right like maybe they just want to you know show some goodwill and maybe like i don't, I don't want to get crazier it's not going to be zelda don't get me wrong no, i'll no. just use it as an idea but maybe it's something smaller right maybe there's like a, a smaller but still like first party demos yeah better than like steam's demo show like i'm somebody who downloaded 40 games last year on xbox and played those demos i guarantee you nobody knows what those demos are <laughs> You know, like there's a difference between those aren't the demos that are on the E3 show floor. Mm-hmm. E3 show floor demos are different. Like they're, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger games. So like if they were there, I'd be interested. I think it could be interesting to see like, you know, the showcases come out and there, and a lot of times that happens at E3, right? You have showcase of games, whether it's Sony or Xbox or whatever, and they have the demos on the show floor right there. Yep. Why don't you just allocate all those demos into this GeForce Now $35 service? I could totally see Xbox saying, hey, here's all the games that we have. And these three or four games, you can get the demo right now if you go to the E3 $35 uh, whatever paywall thing. It's actually been some of my most sought after and, and probably the biggest thing that I get from watching E3 presentation stuff on yeah. YouTube and stuff are people playing the demos that are on the show floor, especially for games that I'm interested in that like I saw, you know, the trailer, but I don't really know about the mm-hmm. game. Like what actually mm-hmm. is the game seeing is believing, see somebody play that means something. So like there are lots of games like that, that I would have um, like even smaller stuff um, like Xbox two years ago, E3, they had tunic on the show floor. Like they showed it in the presentation, it looked awesome. Everybody was like Zelda Fox. I would have killed to play that demo, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would have loved to have played that demo. Thirty five dollars for something like that. And like I said, maybe you throw in like Jeff Grubb's interview hour, where they have Jeff interview somebody from Square Enix or something. Yeah, like if you did that exclusive for the ticketed folks, and like send everybody a nice little T shirt and pin. Yeah, if you buy it, maybe like we got to do like some equivalent of like a super chat because we're ticketed folks or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. like maybe we could ask questions or something that regular people couldn't. Thirty five dollars is not a lot of money. No, it's not. See for that type of stuff. That's where I am. It's like they're not asking for three hundred fifty dollars. Like I, that's crazy, right? Thirty five dollars. I was like, that sounds kind of cool. Look at Jeff. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was I but I've I've always been for this. Like I've always wanted that, right? Let's expand E3 to people that can't go there. You know, because you can only fit so many people in that stadium. I see the lines every year that we had E3, and I was like, I don't think I ever want to do that. 
<laughs> and it's just not reasonable for a lot of people to fly out there and stay there. Like it, some just well, even the it. press. The, the, if you listen to the podcast, right? Like I've listened to some of these people from like IGN for years. They yeah. talk about they wait in line to play a demo for five hours. Yeah. And they have that's press badges. Not, not reasonable. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, that sounds awful. Like, doesn't this sound a lot better? It's like, hey, pay us thirty five dollars. We'll bring the demo to you. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds sweet. Um, I don't know. I was I was kind cool. of excited, but. Like most things, the internet hated it, which means that it will not happen because I I was on the, I think, the quick minority on this one. Like a lot of people were really angry. I think everyone's very quick to anger when we see something like a paywall or whatever that goes against the norm where it's normally free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- I think a lot of people's minds jump to, okay, you can't see the, the press conferences unless you pay that, which I think would be a little bit outraged because they're just yeah. going to be on YouTube five minutes later. Yeah, anyway. that wouldn't make any sense. I don't it see wouldn't. how that's possible. And I think that's where people's minds jump to, and that's why the reaction was the way that it was. Yeah. So I, I would <laughs> be interested in this. <laughs> just says, I haven't waited in line since waiting three hours for Evolved. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that was oh, a, a riveting experience. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I thought this was kind of a way of like kind of, you know, inviting everybody kind of, you know, behind the scenes or at least that mm-hmm. kind of VIP access or something. That'd Give me cool. a t-shirt. Maybe I'll do it. Yeah. I just don't think they're going to do it. I, I, I'm still interested. I, I would like to know. Like I said, they didn't say they weren't going to have some sort of paid something. Yeah. I'm sure they will have some kind of paid tier that some people will want to do because they're into it and you know, you know it could I, be something good in the year of covid we've had so many like entertainers that went like with digital events you know like digital concerts or mm-hmm. digital comics you know shows when this news came out i was like yeah this totally makes sense yeah i was almost more caught off guard by the instant adverse reaction that everybody had to it because i was like in the year of covid this makes all the sense in the world I, I think, again, yeah, what comes to the head is like they're hiding content behind a paywall. That's that's what I think they're thinking of. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what we're actually offering is something like it's just premium access. Think of like Disney Plus with premium access with some certain movies. Think of Patreon. Think mm-hmm. of Giant yeah. Bomb. All it's of not these things. for like, yeah, the general public. It's for the ones who really want something more. Exactly. If yeah, you're just kind of in for the ride, you're going to get what you want to get without paying. Yeah, we're still going to see the commercials and they're still going to go out on YouTube and you're going to be able to see the shows and the Forza car will be somewhere. I'm sure they'll they'll get a picture of a Lamborghini somewhere and they'll put it in there. Like that'll happen. So uh, yeah, you'll still have your... I'm just really excited that apparently E3 might actually happen. Like it I, still I, exists. <laughs> I still don't want to believe it. Like I'm still hesitant to to dive in, but I want to believe. Mm. I mean, we'll have something, but <laughs> it's going to be a game mess again. More, it's a controlled mess. Summer about games that? mess. Yeah. Summer well, games mess. Yeah. Jeff and lots of people, you know, they all say it's like publishers are still going to do their own thing, regardless I, of what this is. Like you still got Jeff Keeley's thing. Everybody's going to do their own events as well. So like, even. If this E3 actually does happen, like just my expectations are so low because they're probably not going to get a lot of like the announcements that we would typically mm-hmm. hold for something like that. You know, like they'll have their own directs or their own presentations or their own interviews or something to do something like that. I kind of miss the E3, to be honest with you. I've said that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's been my take like, the whole time. It's a community <laughs> feeling. That's what we'll, we won't get back. That too. How everything's like compact. Condensed. Yes. Into like, one week where we can all just be hyped. Just take a week off. So much yeah. better than last 
six months last summer or whatever. Yeah. It took forever, and there was like a, a show every other day, and you couldn't keep up with who was what. There Ugh. were le- legit shows I didn't even know were happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I miss E3 too. I hope uh, Digital Devolver, I hope they put their expo behind a paywall of $1. <laughs> they do something really weird like 69 cents. 69 cents. Come on, Gary. Come on, (laughs) 69. Um, Another rumor. Could Life is Strange be headed to Nintendo Switch? Apparently so, as the ESRB has rated the game for the Nintendo Switch console earlier today. Now, this lines up with that 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 leaker on Reddit that I shared in our Life is Strange. He had all of it, right? He had the girl's name. He had her powers. um, He had the remaster. And he said they were coming to Switch. I was surprised when it wasn't announced. So today it gets a rating. So the first thing that I want to ask is if it is coming into Nintendo Switch, and obviously like they've got a rating that doesn't happen just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. If it is coming to Switch, what are the reasons why it wasn't shown or announced when they did like their whole thing about the game? Square the only reason is because Nintendo wants it in their own presentation. Right. There's that was the first no thing other reason. Hmm. They want to announce with Nintendo. They want to be in a direct. What other reason would there be? Well, it's, it's not the same release date. That's the other one. Maybe it's delayed. It's going to be delayed till early next year. Maybe they're, it comes after. It. Life is Strange comes to yeah. everything, and then it comes to Switch later. Well, would yes. it be rated at the same time? I guess it would. It the, the rating timing wouldn't matter, would it? I mean, yeah. You if it's just a short amount of time, time frame, it would be at the same time, I would think. Why yeah. would it be released later? Because they're still working on it, or someone else or, is kind of or porting it's, it. A second party is porting be, it. It's enough to be rated right now. It's. I mean, if it's the same application for all platforms, yeah. Why not? I, I could. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other then I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wait for the Switch version. Then oh. <laughs> like, I gotta play it day yeah. one. The other thing is, we had uh, we had some spirited debate earlier oh, today spirited. when I uh, when I said that uh, I, I spirited. I wouldn't pay. Oh, I love it. I wouldn't. <laughs> play life is strange on switch just at f- face value like it's like hey it's here it's on the same day as everything else i'm still going to get it on xbox because as i said in the, in the discord i want to play life is strange true colors in like the best way it can possibly look one of the biggest takeaways that i had when we were watching the square Enix thing together was like how beautiful that little setting in Colorado, like they had us all nice, warm, and vibrant, very detailed. Like, so I'd want to see that as good as possible. That wasn't to say, I want to be clear, that I thought the Switch would run it like garbage, <laughs> which I felt like it got con- conveyed to. I think the Switch could probably run a Life is Strange game fine, right? Like it'd be 720, 30 or something. That's a fine, very respectable way to play it. Just not the best way to play it. So I would want to go the best way to play it. Uh, Kyle asks, does, does Life is Strange need 60 FPS to run well on the Switch, Rebecca? <laughs> not not going to answer that right at this time. Um, I want to tell you that I my first experience with Life is Strange, the first game, was on before I had a PC or any gaming-capable device mm-hmm. that wasn't a console. Um, I played the original Life is Strange on my Surface Pro tablet, it ran like absolute garbage. I had to turn on all the lowest settings. It was probably like a 16 frames per second. I don't know. It probably wasn't that bad, but it wasn't good. It, it um, crashed at times. It ran 
poorly. Yeah. But despite that, it still became my favorite non-Nintendo game of all time. Um, to me, I don't need it. It's, it's, I'm sure that 60 frames per second and stellar performances, all cherry on top. Um, if it's not like that on the Switch, it's not like that on the Switch. It doesn't matter. That's not going to stop me from enjoying True Colors um, at all. Not in the slightest. Um, I, I would prefer it to run well. Do I need it to be as glamorous as the PC version? No, I don't. Um, my priorities are very different than Donnie's, and that's okay. I like the fact that I will be able to play it on the TV and then stream it and then move to my bed and play it in handheld a little bit more. And that's that's okay. what I prioritize, and we're different. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with like trying to play it best, and that's just how I am. Uh, and it's a lot for me for these third party games, whatever games that come out previously that I, that I own or whatever, I think of like Borderlands or Bioshock or Dragon's Dogma or even Witcher. And it's like, okay, do I need this on switch? No, I don't. I never do. Cause I own them somewhere else and it's not a handheld game. I, if, if it, there's a third party game that I'm like, that's a handheld game. I want to play it on handheld like monster hunter. That's a good, it's a very good handheld game, by the way. Um, then I'll buy it on Switch. The thing is, for any walking simulator, simulator game for me, Telltale's Life is Strange, uh, that's not a handheld game for me at all. I don't go to my bed and play that. I put headphones on in, yeah. in a giant TV and same. make sure I'm fully immersed with that game. And that's why, I mean, that's why I just pick all of my third-party games on other consoles. It's just because, like, why would I put it on Switch? It's the same game. It's just going to be lesser quality, so might as well have it on I'm the still, other consoles. Regardless, I'm still very excited that it could potentially be coming over. This is also I think it's very cool. Yes. one of my favorite franchises. This is the reason why we we kind of have our Life is Strange group in our Discord. It's one of the things that's kind of brought us all together. And and I hate that Nintendo has has not had these games for so long. Yeah, it's weird. You know, it's like it's weird. Square Enix has so many games on Nintendo Switch. They obviously have got to be selling well. So it's like it stands out to me is that this game hasn't made it. And I've always wondered if it actually is a performance issue. And the only comparison I can make is Telltale because they're obviously similar type games. The Telltale games aren't great on Switch. They're no. okay, but they're not great. They feel like enhanced mobile versions. They stutter, they chop, they skip. You know, like I've always wondered if that has something to do with why Life is Strange hasn't made it over. Um, hopefully that's not. The it, case. it just probably wasn't in the devs head at the time. It's like, oh, we need to make it on Switch on the previous games, too. I don't mm -hmm. think so, because didn't the, the Wii U was still out when the first game came out? Yeah. And yeah. it just probably wasn't a priority for them. And exactly. that probably carried over, like you said, Garrett. That makes sense. But uh, if it does come and the remasters come, I can't recommend them enough. Yeah, if Before. you have if you just have a switch and you don't have anything else, yeah. get Life is Strange. I'm sure it'll play fine and you'll ha you'll have an incredible time. Before the Storm's my favorite in the series and that's a part I still of need the to play that collection. One. And uh, as I also admitted to, ultimately that this could just mean that I am end up paying more for this than everybody else cuz I'll buy it on yeah. Xbox <laughs> and I'll buy the Switch versions. So I think that's a lot. For the remasters, <laughs> I'm going to play it um in like story order so instead of playing life is strange and then before the storm i think i'm going to do it the other way around for my nice. second playthrough i'm going to do before the storm and then life is strange when uh I, I replayed it with my wife i let her drive while we played and we did the same thing yeah. so she watched me play them in order and then when she played we played them in reverse mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Guys, I might play on PS5. You know why? Why? Trophies. Who cares? You get easy <laughs> platinums for those games. Talk about something nobody cares about. <laughs> simulator games, because it's just easy trophies right there. Uh, Anyways. Yeah, I mean, I've, the amount of games that I've bought on Switch that I'd already beaten or played somewhere else are endless. Right. <laughs> it's it's good to have it in a collection and you know I will tell you this love a physical copy for that game on that's Switch. That's it. Holy when crap. it comes to Switch, I do value my physical copies of Switch games way more than I value I physical copies of the other games. So if they did a physical collector's edition for Life oh, of Strange True Colors ah. on Switch, I will have one of those for sure. Part of me still is telling myself that this ESRB writing Switch was a mistake because I can't I can't wrap my head around that it would actually happen. I mean, I guess it, it very could. I, I guess it could be a mistake. I just, I would like to think at this point they had figured that out, right? You know, like by now that like maybe there isn't like just a checkbox that they check or something. But like, we thought that when Life is Strange Two was coming out, that it would have been so obvious. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I've been wanting this they for didn't a very, do it then, very why long they time. Now? Yeah. Monster Hunter, speaking of Monster Hunter Garrett, has sold more than 4 million units over the weekend. Sales are on pace with Monster Hunter World, 5 million in the same time frame. Now, I believe I was reading tweets about that. That excludes digital copies, right? Oh, I don't know about that part. I think the, 40, I think the 4 million excludes digital copies. Oh. So that's why when people are like, it's on pace, a lot of people are saying it's got to be right at or maybe even exceeding that because they're that's not, they're not counting digital copies. Mm-hmm. Guys, I... Monster Hunter World is is Capcom's fastest selling right game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is on one system on the Switch, and if it's on par, that's freaking huge. And then uh, they'll and they said they'll promise to uh, put it on PC next year sometime. So it'll just have more sales after that. I think they have a. I'm not surprised at all by the golden way. egg here. Like none. I have zero surprise. I, I'm not surprised, but I expect like, it to be big. It's and I. Good. When it comes to the, the 3DS, right? Monster Hunter is a portable game. And I know yeah. that the world was great and it sold a lot of copies, but like the franchise, its legacy, its history is a portable game. So I 100% expected it to sell extremely well on Switch. What's really great is that this game, and I didn't say this earlier, it's a technical yeah. masterpiece. It is so good to what it does with the Switch hardware. I have no complaints. I mean, like, of course, it can have better frames and better graphics, whatever. But the way it is now is the smoothest, most steady 30 frames I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it's very pretty. It's very It's vibrant. a very yeah. pretty environment. Yeah. Um, and I see one technical aspect of it. I thought it was kind of funny. When I see monsters off in the distance, the frames are like 10. You could see literally the the clicks of the oh. wings in the back. And I'm like, <laughs> so that's how they're sacrificing it. It's just like the rendering yeah, of the frame. Yeah, the draw distance for sure. And it's, like, it's obvious, but it's like, well, we see that in Assassin's Creed Valhalla yeah, as it well. Works. And it, it works. Um, they did a fantastic job with this game and, and on handheld too. It looks, I, I can easily just play this forever on handheld. So. Nice. Love this game. Tell your Riza yeah. series has shipped to 1 million copies. Koei Tecmo celebrates with 999,000 of them are Donnie's. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. <laughs> free DLC costumes. You want to see part them, of these Donnie? celebrations. They're currently 20% off. There's a link there. To There's see the costumes. There. I'm good. <laughs> let's see here. Let's let's That's a really cute in. dress, actually. I really yeah. like that. It's cute white and black dress. 
There you go, Donnie. I would, wear, I would wear the black one. That's adorable. There you go. So there you go, folks. If you, uh, everybody, throw the bits at Rebecca if you want the Tell Your Riza <laughs> Twitch stream. <laughs> Wait, you're going to wear one too? Don't do, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't tell them that. <laughs> it's a yeah. skimpy dress. <laughs> Obi-Wan K says, uh, Donnie is so excited for this. Yeah. That's, that's, Why would you not be? Hype. Eat the it's hype. on sale right now, Donnie. It's it's there for the taking. What it's actually pretty good for them, by the way. This this is pretty big sale. How many games them. did it? How many games? And I know they said the series reaches one million, but how many games is that? No, no, this is the Atelier Riza. So that's two. that's yeah. Oh, that's two games. Two right? games. Okay, because okay. that's that's Atelier Riza, the first one. That is pretty good, and the second one. So good for them, yeah. They're they're bringing all the Atelier games. It can forward. be hard. Yeah. I I always try to bring that to the conversation. When we talk sales. It can be hard to bring like some context. I always tell folks, like, man, if a game sells a million copies, this is a really big deal. Yeah, you know, because it's hard. We'll lose that. We talk about Animal Crossing and Cart and Breath of the Wild and stuff. And like twelve million, fifteen, thirty million copies. You make you think that every game sells like three million copies. That is not the case. No, <laughs> most no, no, games no. do not sell a million copies. So yeah, a million yeah. is a big deal, even for two. Especially games. for a niche yeah. subject like this, the, yeah. it's pretty good. Big, big deal. Good for them. Rebecca, would you hit us with some questions? All right. A good one. Edgardo wants to know, do you think it's possible Nintendo may re-release Super Mario Bros. 35 in the future? Um, it's a little bit weird because they said that it was going to be delisted um, at the end of yesterday, the 31st. I saw people still playing it today. Um, oh, wow. A few hours ago, I was able to get into matches. For some people, it says it's offline. They can no longer get in. For, hmm. for other people, they're still able to get in and play matches. A little bit weird. Yeah. Is it like a rolling, a soft shutdown? Yeah, soft shutdown. <coughs> um, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm now. sure it'll go down for everybody eventually. Um, if it hasn't for you already, uh, wh- what do you think? Do you think they'll bring it back in some capacity? I want to say no, but I can't. Um, Nintendo typically always will pull something out of history at some point to make people happy. Um, they have a long, long, yeah. long, long history of doing that. So to ever be like, they're going to take it away and never play it again. Like that's just hard to say. Cause the odds against that are, are strong. It's kind of wasted. Someday. Effort. Someday. Right. Now, it might be 25 years from now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's what an Argardo, you can correct us. I, I think he was talking about like sometime within the, like this year. This, foreseeable future no i don't i think it's i think it's gone i i wonder what's gonna replace it if anything's gonna replace it and i'm wondering if they'll (laughs) yeah that's the answer and i wonder if they'll rotate that and then they'll compile that all together Mm, that's Mm. that's a good thought i saw emily rogers talking a lot on twitter the past Mm. couple days talking about how it really devalues um nintendo switch online that they should be adding more of these types of games and i feel like that's what we've been saying they should be adding more value to switch online rather than taking it away they should be having more of these tetris 99 games and these mario bros 35 instead of limiting it Um, because just like that that's one less reason now to subscribe to switch online Mm-hmm. Um, I like Garrett, your idea of maybe they do another timed game for Zelda's 35th mm-hmm. and then they do Four like, swords, a time, you know, yeah, maybe they do whatever they do. And then maybe at the end of all these 35th anniversary celebrations, they 
I don't know. They wouldn't put it on a cart or anything. It, no, I mean, they'll just put it all together and you'll just select one of them and you're good to go. I think I think what they're doing is probably building up these classic online games that they, they're thinking of and their ideas. And, and this is just my speculation. They'll replace them every so now and then shut them down and then probably in the end put them all in the collection. See, I, I would, that's what I thought when they first came out with Mario 35. I was like, they're tinkering with an idea. I would expect yeah. them to come back with a fully fledged standalone game, not for Nintendo. Oh, Switch that would online. be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think they care about Nintendo switch online. I'd be very interested to know, like if people would actually cancel, <laughs> like if there's nothing else that happens for Nintendo switch online for the rest of the years, anybody going to cancel it? Nobody's going to cancel Nintendo switch online before Splatoon three is about to release. It's only 20 bucks a year. <laughs> I don't think people will cancel because of Super Mario Bros. 35. No. Closing down. Yeah, no. And I'm with you. I do want them to have, I want all the virtual console and all the games in there. And I want indie rotations and stuff. Like I want it to be better than it is, but it's not. It doesn't seem like they want it to be. I don't think people would cancel it because they're getting rid of Mario 35. But I think there are a decent amount of people who aren't subscribed because maybe for whatever reason, they just don't care about your Splatoon or your whatever yeah, you're playing on Switch online. online these days that maybe they could be getting those people on board with more yeah. valuable games like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's definitely true. Like I love so they're services. not losing, but they're I also love not services gaining the way that they could be. I want, if they want to copy game pass, I'm signing up for that day one. I've talked about the Nindies pass idea for years. Like I love services. I'm all for it. I just don't think they're going to do it at all. Like, like I've just, my hope and enthusiasm for Nintendo to do anything with Nintendo Switch Online is like an all-time low. It's just rock bottom at this point. It's like... It's the longest tease. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's four or five years now. And we're still talking about like, you know, no <laughs> it's, Mario it's RPG. Yeah. Like, they have no Super Nintendo games. Like, they've got no 64 stuff. There's no Game Boy or Game Boy Advance. Like, it's like, no, no. Like... You just got to let that go. If anything, I would think, again, I, if they were going to make Mario 35 something, then I would see them doing like Mario 35, you know, Mario Maker or something or another, like a, a whole separate release that's mm. bigger, it's more fleshed out, it's grander. Because um, the first time I saw it, I thought it was kind of like experimental. I was like, maybe they're just, maybe they've got an idea that they're messing with. Mm-hmm. Cool. I still think that they, well, what my original thought was that they weren't very confident that they could have the long term enough people playing it because you do need 35 people to get it to work, right? Yeah. Um, and I thought maybe they would say, okay, well, there's still people playing it in March, we'll extend it. And they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They yeah. got that data, though. I hope you played it. Go check to see if yours still works. It might still work. Yeah. You know, I played more. And this is 100%. I played more Donkey Kong in the last month than I did Super Mario 35 anyway. And that game is like forever old. Right. <laughs> so I, I, at the end of the day, I, I think the, the Nintendo Switch Online is worth every penny it's it's currently being charged at. Now, if they ever wanted to raise the price, oh. then yeah, they got to do something. Um, but uh, yeah, as it currently stands, 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, Negotiator wants to know, with the recent success of Monster Hunter Rise, how likely are we to see other third-party devs develop games more tailored to the Switch's hardware, rather than just making ports which vary in performance and visual quality, some better than others? This has been... That's a great question. This has been a thing since since the Wii, when a lot of folks really did 
start to make ports specifically for the Wii. Mm -hmm. But I, I think more so like 3DS and Wii U, this has been the thing for a long time. Yeah. Um, at least the last decade. This is what everybody's been wanting. It's like, why don't you just make stuff? And the answer is cost. Just cost it, too yeah, much. Yeah, it is. Cost too much to make a, a game develop for one console. You're just limiting so much of your potential. You think about it, if you're a third-party developer, you're going to make a game. It could be any game in the world. You're going to make a game. Wouldn't you want to sell it to hundreds of millions of potential customers or subject yourself to just 80 million? And then of those 80 million, if your game doesn't include a Nintendo property, how fur how much further does that cut into that? Yeah. Like half? More than half? Like we've talked about in the past, like Monster Hunter notwithstanding, you know, a lot of these third-party games don't chart. You know, like they're not top sellers. When we see back all of the top-selling games, you know, on Switch and stuff, like you don't see it full of the bigger third-party releases um, where you see a lot of either indie games or higher promoted games or Ring Fit, Nintendo games, really kind of make up the majority of the games that are doing business on Nintendo's hardware. And I, for third-party developers, we still get kind of frustrated, well, at least right now, that they're still releasing on PS4 and Xbox One, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're limiting their, their selves with the hardware. It's like, if you're going to focus on Switch first, you're really limiting yourself on hardware. And, or and cause, causing yourself a bigger expense, because a lot of these yeah. Folks are paying Panic Button to do it. That doesn't come cheaply either. You're literally paying another studio to port your game. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that's another part of it as well. So I think uh, Monster Hunter Rise is for sure a it's, a, it's a unique case for a third party developer only because, as Donnie said, Monster Hunter is a portable game. They have an audience there, they have 3DS. Yep. Um, they have legacy people, with Nintendo, they have a legacy there. And it was actually kind of weird to see Monster Hunter World being not to like any Nintendo platform. Yep. Um, but seeing this, and I love how much um, effort they put into it and in making sure it, it does run really great on Switch. And I also think of like devs as like Supergiant with uh, Hades. They they were pretty smart when they, they did it for the PC. It's like, okay, now we've done our early access development in PC. We can spec specifically for Switch. And, and go from there. And I think a lot of third-party developers need to think in their, in their head is, based on their project, does it make sense cost-wise and effort-wise that will run pretty great on Switch and does it make sense for the Switch? And, and people will draw to that, yeah. I think. Well, that's um, first and foremost. Yeah. Absolutely. Does the game make sense on Switch? We talk about it all the time. Does mm -hmm. the game make sense for Switch? Mm -hmm. You know, like Assassin's Creed Valhalla doesn't make sense to target Switch. And in like games like Black Flag sometimes doesn't like make sense for Switch. Um, maybe older games do make sense. Um, yeah, I I just think for third party developers, they just got to make sure to worry about what their platform of choice is first. And if it's not Switch, that's OK. What do you think, Rebecca? Um, I. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I don't, I don't have a real opinion on it. I was reading another one of our questions and was just letting my mind go wild with it. <laughs> well, I, I, the reason I actually asked you is because I think you bring up, I think you represent a really good, uh, like target demographic. Cause I think Do for I? the most part, you probably don't care. Right. I, I, yeah. It's not this because you not like something I think about because you these aren't types of games you're playing. And no. I think that, I think you represent a large of of Nintendo's base yeah, consumer. <laughs> That's a reason why, 
you know, like Need for Speed Hot Pursuit and Bioshock and all these games. That's why they don't chart extremely well the outer on Nintendo's platforms. If it's the kind of game that I want to play, like if it's because especially when they come to Switch late kind of thing, if you wanted to play this, you're already you already played it somewhere else. True. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. I'm not in that in that demographic, I guess. So I think that's the hardest thing with with like the bigger publishers, right? Like smaller publishers, like if the if like Hades is a great example, or you know Hollow Knight, mm-hmm. yeah, like those games make a lot of sense. Target for Switch, go Switch first, and then mm-hmm. let that build you as you port to other systems. But those are specific game, like almost. And yeah. I hate using the term because it has like a lesser connotation. But indie-ish titles, you know, like indie-ish titles make mm-hmm. a lot of sense to Target for Switch. Smaller um, budget. And Ubisoft used to do that with the UbiArt games. And I, for one, would oh, love to see so them come good. back. Bring them back. I love UBR games. And right. they just plunked <laughs> they, it. <laughs> they just killed the program. <laughs> they're like, you know why? Because they think bigger than that. Like when you're talking mm. about Ubisoft and EA and 2K, their heads are in the clouds. They don't, they don't want to make, you know, a million dollars. They want to make $2 billion. They want to make more than that. I give EA more credit because of their EA original games versus UB. Soft. They they don't do any smaller games anymore. They just make a 120 hour campaign Assassin's Creed game now, and and I, I feel like especially now with more like expansion <laughs> passes and microtransactions and stuff, like they focus more on that than yeah. Than putting out new content. You know, we've been on GTA Five for the past ten years. I don't know. About to get another patch for that bad boy. Oh my gosh! Please, <laughs> it's just a monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and I do think you know, like it only seems like. It only seems to work when Nintendo gets involved. They fund they fund the project, they lend out an IP, you know, they work with Ubisoft to make Mario Rabbids. Mm-hmm. Like when they do that, then it seems to work. But like without some sort of involvement or something like that, it's hard unless Nintendo's like buying exclusivity, right? Unless you're we're we're paying you to make a game targeted for our console. Mm-hmm. Just so often seems like it doesn't work. And I think that's okay. I, I, a different I've, audience. I've said it for a long time. Nintendo can stand on their own. Oh, I think third sure. party <laughs> support's important, but I would argue that like they have all the third party support they need with games like Fortnite. Like that game is bigger than so many other these other games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they can live without Star Wars and Madden mm-hmm. and stuff. Like it's not important because the people that want those games have other things to play them on. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. Uh, where are we? Um, <laughs> oh, Brandon wants to know with how well Monster Hunter Rise works on the Switch uh, with the RE engine, do you think we will get more Capcom games? Wait, is that Resident Evil? That's the same engine? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the RE oh, engine. Hey, the I read that. I didn't even Devil, read that. Devil May okay. Cry's engine as well. Could yeah. we see Nintendo using the engine um, uh, or even uh, game developers? Capcom support, I think, yes. yes. Other developers, no. Probably not, no. Because that's their, yeah, that's their yeah. internal engine. Yeah. They're not, I don't, they're not they wouldn't have that. access to use that. Yeah. Um, I would be hopeful, but just know the difference. Like, before anybody starts looking at Capcom's hist looking for games to be ported over, remember that they, they tweaked the visual settings for Monster Hunter to work yes. with the engine to work on Switch. So that's important, right? And I don't think you're not going to see, like, Devil May Cry 5 suddenly, you know, pop over to Switch and, and keep all of its RE engine glory. Like, that's not right. going to work. But 
because they put the work in to make our engine work for switch. Do I think Capcom will use that for future releases? Absolutely. Why wouldn't Mm -hmm. they? Yeah. They've got to have historical games or something that they can bring over. Um, I've been looking for the resident evil ports for a while, maybe like with switch pro, like that's something I've been thinking for a while. Maybe we might Which resident evil like two. Yeah. Like remake. Uh, Remakes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like if they could get a little boost or something like that, like maybe they could take something like that and make it work. They they said from the beginning when they started this project, it is for the Switch. Yeah. And so everything made about for with the RE engine for Monster Hunter Rise is specific to Switch. It's gonna be interesting to see if other like big titles that are already out on other like platforms is like oh, okay, now we're scaling it back and porting it to Switch. Mm, I, I don't know if this is gonna be a transfer of knowledge here. Because because once from the ground up, this is gonna be from the top down now. Yeah. So. Yep. We'll see. Kyle says Capcom's also Street Fighter. Yeah. Should be getting a new Street Fighter soon. Hmm. What Street Soon-ish. Fighter do we have on Switch? Do we have? We don't have Street Fighter. We've 5, got the do we? collection, the old ones. Oh, the, the, old the ones. Turbo Championship yeah. stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> I, I don't do Street Fighter, so. <laughs> Um, Rob wants to know why is it when Nintendo's consoles have shortages, everyone accuses them of creating demand, but nobody seems to care that PlayStation hasn't made enough PS5s. I Ooh. think I see people complaining well, that. Yeah, as I say, I don't. I don't hasn't made people definitely PS5. care. Now, yeah. are they accusing them of creating demand? No, <laughs> no. There is a difference, but do they care? Yeah, greatly. They care a lot, actually. <laughs> I think. They get the old pass of um, pandemic um, tech shortage. That's a very good point. I think they get that pass. Whether that's the reason or not, I think that's the pass that they get. Well, it isn't like the rate of selling PS5s right now is on par with PS4. Like, okay. like it's it's just as fast, even though that yeah, the, they're very su- close. the supply is constrained. Yeah. So it's just I the mean, demand is at an all time high. Right. I, I don't know if we, I mean, we say that uh, Nintendo's creating demand, but didn't they also say themselves that they do that on purpose? Like, like it's not us accusing them. They admitted it. Well, I, I, I don't think they have to say it. I mean, it's yeah. been proven as that they're taking away Mario games. They put a time limit on when <laughs> yeah. you can buy Mario 3D World. Like, We're not accusing them. They're they very clear it. about, yeah, creating demand or creating an urgency of purchase. <laughs> but I think it's different when I do think, it's interesting. My lifetime as a Nintendo fan, like you grow up with this assumption, especially you start getting into internet. I don't know what to call it. Culture, like awareness. Yeah. No, There's I'm been the sure. thing that's like, well, Nintendo artificially creates demand. And it's, I don't, I don't think that's true. Like when it comes to hardware, which is where it's typically used. Mm-hmm. Do they try to create demand? Yeah, but that's, <laughs> but that's the point. Like everybody tries to create demand when it comes to the hardware. Like, are they, actively making less consoles to make more people encouraged to pay more for it? No, I don't think that's the the point at all. I think that what that's coming from is I think Nintendo's probably more conservative at launch with hardware than Mm -hmm. the other companies are because they don't subsidize it with services. They don't eat, uh, you know, they don't take a loss on hardware sold. So they're not going to make, <laughs> they're not going to make 5 million of them at a loss. Like they're going to yeah. kind of make them and sell them as people buy them. Especially coming off of the Wii U. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think it's, <laughs> I think it's very easy for people to throw that at them. 
Um, I think it comes from the, I think the Wii is the first time that I really started hearing oh, that. Oh, it, it was yeah. the Wii. It, that it, was genuinely very hard to get for exactly. a long time. And but I don't, I don't think, think it was, was because Nintendo artificial. didn't want to make them. Yeah. I think it was because demand was through the roof. Yeah. They were making them as fast as they could. Uh-huh. Right. And the Wii just come up with crazy excuses why, to why. Why wouldn't they? Because the more consoles they sell, if the band did. The demand is genuinely there. They want to make as many as possible exactly. so that they can sell mm-hmm. them. They clearly don't want you to pay twice as much to a scalper to buy the product right. that they already sold yeah. at the regular price. They clear nobody wants to do that. Like that, that would kill their business. They clearly want you to buy from them at their price, but it comes at a cost. Manufacturing, think about how much it costs. You're like, oh my God. PS5 costs $500. Like, think of how much it costs. PlayStation make $5 million. They don't want dozens of them sitting on the shelves for weeks and yeah. weeks. They want them out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a it's a weird mix and balance that I think it it's is very, they carefully weigh it, obviously. It is kind of a part of Nintendo's image. Like, that's been something that's stuck with Nintendo. As a Nintendo fan, I've heard that from non-Nintendo fans for 15 years. I think another infamous one was the NES and SNES classic. Yeah. Where if you weren't jumping on the boat initially, it's going to be very hard down the road. And I think they <laughs> they realized like, wow, there's a lot more demand to these things than we thought. And they made more actually mm-hmm. down the road. And it's rare for them to kind of do that little restock thing. That's mm-hmm. not Something that am- I... Go ahead, Garrett. No, I, another thing is Amiibo. That's, Amiibo. that's another oh, yeah. great yeah. example of... People thinking there there was an artificial demand, which I, I'm not too sure on certain ones, on certain Dude, figures. Dude, those Zelda Amiibo that are still, that have had reprints they're and restocks, they're get. still $40 a piece. Well, those are, I feel like that's a little bit different because that's a collect, like kind of seen as a collector's item type mm-hmm. thing. So that's a little bit different than the, than the console itself. But what I was going to say is I think it's pretty interesting. And I don't know if this is like for you know, the same reason that we're talking about. But four years later, when I go into like Best Buy or GameStop or whatever, whenever I look at like the the consoles, I see one, maybe two Switch consoles like there to buy. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's like purposeful, like that they only get so many shipments, if they, they have more like in the back or whatever. But it's not like the other consoles where you can see that there's like six, seven, eight, not PlayStation fives, but um, yeah. usually there's like one, maybe two at most switch consoles there. And I don't know if that's meant to look like, Oh, you better get the last one or, or what? I don't know. Maybe. I think it'd be really mm-hmm. hard to pull that off on a global scale. Yeah. Like well, down, I don't know. Are they know, given to a store level? Are they given specific instructions to, to Best Buy, like only set out one or two, like at a time, like that kind of thing. Like they, I, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave stores specific instructions to do that. They have Nintendo ambassadors who like go around and check stores to make sure that the products are, you know, displayed correctly. Like that's That's somebody's job. So I don't know if that's something that they might tell stores. You might have, you know, 20 consoles shipped to you this week, but only put out one at a time to make it look like somebody has to buy the last one kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? No, I should totally be it. Last year before the before the pandemic, so like maybe like right bef- like right at the Red Box release in Ford, before the pandemic hit, um, I remember countless times I'd walk into GameStop and they'd have eight ten switches all stacked up right on were the they? shelf behind them. Yeah, maybe that's they just a product there. of where I live. Then I don't know. But then COVID happened and like they're all gone. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. they are still hard. They are still fighting demand to keep just stock of 
switches available for people that walk in and buy them. That could just be the case then. Maybe there really are only one or two there every yeah. time I'm there. I'm just curious. They're maybe there's somebody out. somebody who works retail, like a Best Buy or GameStop or something that can weigh one in of the on things. How many do you actually have? One of the things we didn't talk about, the Monster Hunter sales numbers. Um, I did see console sales jumped up like 200% in Japan. It's a console wow, seller. Yeah. So for or Monster Hunter. Yeah. 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 yeah, they sold like. Sixty thousand last week, Hunter. and like yeah. last week, it was like two hundred eighty thousand. The special edition probably moved a lot of units. Yeah, that too. Yeah, such a, a great. I mean, they they marketed it, they pushed it. Remember, I kept I kept referring to it like it's all going to be Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter, mm-hmm. and then um and then they made sure that there's like nothing else near it. Yeah. Like they they've really moved like, everything out of the way. Okay, it's like, guys, Monster Hunter's Hunter. coming in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And even now, like we're we're still kind of on the shelf until the end of the month for Snap, so it's got plenty of runway. Yep. It's it's good time because Monster Hunter is gonna be one of those games where people are gonna be playing it for the rest of the year. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's hundreds of hours, guys. It's it's gonna be a long game. Uh, let's see. West 3DP says, "How long before we get Zelda news?" <laughs> hey, they put out a trailer this morning talking about motion controls again. So. You don't have to oh. wait at all. <laughs> Great. <laughs> wait, motion controls are Skyward You know sword. what he's asking. I know. Oh, my gosh. Uh, June. June or you, July? Wait, that's, that goes against what we talked about before. I thought we were saying that they weren't going to say anything until after Skyward Sword comes out for the for Zelda's anniversary. Uh, yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> it might be after. She it remembers after. things, Donnie. <laughs> it might be after then. I remember my Zelda, Zelda stuff. It makes sense. Yeah, I would I would not really expect a big Zelda thing until after that, if at all. Whatever that time frame, wherever it is they want to put their summer update. I don't even call it their E3 update anymore because I don't know if it's going to be an E3. But whenever they want to put their summer update, that'll be the next time. Mm-hmm. I saw people today that were like, so when's the Zelda Direct? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. People are going to beg for it. And it we're going we're gonna to get till August, September before we hear anything. So that's what we're going to hear that for months. Just get used to it. Oh, no. <laughs> that's that's going to be the conversation that you hear. Zelda win, guys. <laughs> do you think oh, there will God. be, Drew wants to know, do you think there will be a Zelda-themed Switch if there's more Zelda games later this year? Yes. I yes. think so. Yeah. They'll do a Zelda themed switch for Breath of the Wild 2. Is it later this year? I don't think so. But I don't think if so it either. is, will there be one? Yeah, there will be. There will be a Zelda themed switch. Zachary says, What is one item, character, or game mechanic that was present in a past Zelda game that you would like to see return in a future Zelda game? He says, I'd like to see magic make a return or musical instruments. Oh, magic's a good call. Yeah. I kind of like miss magic. it. About that. Mm-hmm. Like the rods, the rods, yeah. Fire the medallions, rod. and the medallions. That. Yeah, that was dope. Even Ocarina of Time had the like, what were they How called? How about the Ocarina? The, the yeah. Well, yeah. He says musical oh, instruments. The, the, yeah, the musical instruments. Din's fire and neighbor's love and all those. I don't. Oh, I, I forgot all about it until you just said that. Woo! Yeah, man, Goku. Wind. Goku Link. Just, just oh my god, fireball! Like he was. Awesome. I remember using that. I'm like, what's the point of this? <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> what? I didn't um, like the magic in Ocarina of Time. Oh, dude, you could light torches with Din's fire. You just stand next to me. Like, oh. Did you ever use Neighbor's Love in a dungeon? No, I don't, no. I don't know. You would use it like if you were halfway through a dungeon yeah. and you had to stop playing, you could, it's like kind of save your place there where, like where you were so you don't have to go all the way back through the dungeon. <laughs> mm. 
completely unrelated, but I've been playing a lot of Mario Golf uh, with my wife. We've been playing Mario Golf. So Jack was playing 64 with me. Uh, I told this story offline to Elaine last night. It dawned on him, or it dawned on me, that he had never seen, like, he's seen my 64 before. We've played it before, but, like, he's never been the one messing with it, right? Mm -hmm. He's always just been like, here's your controller play. So we were playing the other day, and I was like, let me show you Diddy Kong's Racing. And he, because he was like, you know, you think this is good? I was like, good. Diddy Kong Racing is amazing. Let me show you Diddy Kong Racing. So I I tell him, I'm like, hey, get the game and swap the game. Uh-oh. And it dawned on me that he grabs the games, he looks at them, and like you can see <laughs> the gears in his head start to churn. He's like, he's trying to figure it out. Wait a second. He looks and he's like, so every time you wanted to change the game, you had to take this out and put a new game in. Wait, but he has to do that with discs anyway. But it's a it's a disc thing. I I don't. <laughs> right? How- it don't. I I don't know. I was dumbfounded because I was in the same where where you are, Rick. I'm like. Obviously, this is not new to him, but like for the first time, it just hit him. Like he's reached a new plane of awareness where he actually realized that. And he was just like, this is annoying. I think what it was was turning the system off. I think oh, that's yeah, like the difference. Mm-hmm. The click is he turned the system There's off. There's no like main menu. There's no or, OS yeah. or anything. Yeah. Like yeah. the whole thing shuts down, but it, it just, it blew my mind. Oh man, and then if you didn't have the cartridge in perfectly all the way, it would come up with like the glitchy error it screen. It made me feel <laughs> old, like real old. I was like, Jesus. I think like, it's a matter of the cartridge being so chunky at the time and you have to physically like put it in. Like <laughs> like it's it's a physical movement. You see Garrett's like you just gotta put it in, man. What are you doing? And then even before the N sixty four doesn't have it, right? But the the Super Nintendo has like the eject button. Where the eject you button, eject. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can just rip that thing out. It, it did. It, Safety ejected. It was a moment, man. It was a moment. I was sitting there, and I and I I even was like yelling. I was like, "We've done this before." I was gonna say, I'm surprised <laughs> that he hasn't. He's done. Yeah. We've played the 64 before multiple times. We even streamed it one time we were huh. playing it. And it but for whatever reason, that was the time it clicked for him. And he was just like That's funny. to watch it in person, to watch him stand there with both of them. He's just like, you know, and to see it. Oh man, it was something else. It was something That's else. Cute. It was funny. Um magic's a good answer. The hook shot. Just general items like the hook shot. Hover boots. I like the hover boots. I mean, I don't want to say specific items. He says it like a I do think it would have been cool if Breath of the Wild had like more stylized like shields. Like if we had Mm. the mirror shield and things like that. That There were a lot of those in Skyward Sword. Remember you get a lot of shield upgrades and stuff in Skyward Sword? Yeah, it would have been cool if we got more of that type of stuff Mm -hmm. in Breath of the Wild. Like they had a couple, but like they wouldn't even have to do things like if they just looked like that. Because it was just kind of cool to have to like change your look. Um, I remember when I was first time I played Ocarina, I was little, man, I would always like swap out my tunics and stuff to like match my gear and all that. Like I was doing yeah, all the time. Yeah, the Goron tunic. Yeah. Yeah. He also says character. Can you think of a character that you would want return? I know a lot of people want Midna. That's a good one. I, I don't like have, I don't have a better one. I was going to say like some snarky answer, but that's a good one. What's the little guy in Minish Cap? The little gnome dude. Which it, little it, it, is it? Minish Cap? I don't know. I, I guess I'm, the the companion. I'm thinking of the little gnome guy. Chat, do you think when I'm I, the little I, I, gnome I, guy? Oh, I mean, was it, was it more Jorah's mask? Little gnome guy. Uh, okay, never mind then. 
I mean, a lot of the characters I, I are little minish in the minish cap. The companion. Oh, there we go. The Gerald Nate has it in an emoji. Tingle. Ki- what? Yeah, Tingle. Yeah, that's what. Tingle. You called him a gnome guy. <laughs> he looked like a gnome guy to me. It was interesting. Wait, didn't you play Majora's Mask? He's not Majora's o- Mask. Only partially. Ah! I, I need to get through it. <laughs> I, I love that emo, by the way. <laughs> it's just uh, him and his little butt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, you gotta play. You gotta play Wind Waker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta play a lot of games. All right? To be okay. fair, to be fair, he's also in the Minish Cap, so Garrett's not wrong. Okay. You, you know, when I look at it now, I get it. Like for somebody yeah, who has no yeah. idea, <laughs> I get not it. Where I was but thinking. I guarantee you, my entire life of playing many games that feature Tingle, I never once looked at Tingle was like gnome. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm like very impressed that Jarrell got that so fast. Yeah, he with a question mark too. That's good. Wow. Um, <laughs> my answer for characters would be, I would love the return of the sages. Oh, mm, just like okay. even the concept, even if they had new sages, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Even the, even even if there were new ones, it would be cool if they had old ones. It'd be a cool tie-in. But yeah, even new ones, I I like the idea of the sages, and it, it added yeah. a lot of lore. A link to, between like, the worlds world. does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Um, so yeah. Vaddy I, as an enemy would be my my possibility answer. Anyone? No? No? I'm good. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know characters. I'm sorry. I called Tingle I'm a freaking gnome. I'm trying to think okay. of different villains. It's like gnome guy. Gnome guy. I'm trying right? to think of different villains besides just Gan and like Vaddy is an interesting one. I will always want Skull Kid back, but that storyline's gone. Yeah, Skull Kid. Well, who was well, the guy in Link Between Worlds? Ravio. Yeah. Ravio. He was a <gasps> dope. Oh, give me Hilda. Yeah, give me Ravio and Hilda again. Yeah. Their story is so good. Give me Dark World and Breath of the Wild too. Just, yeah. just do it. Do you want to walk in the walls again too? Yeah. I like the high. I, I want to be in the paintings, cool. you know? Yeah, it was cool. Mm-hmm. I do like the concept of in um, both of those games where it is the dark world, where it's like the same world, but... It's slightly it's different because different. it's either dark or I love it so remixed much. in the past. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah. that idea a lot. Oh, it's, it'd be really cool if you could do like the wall thing. Like you, you could jump into the painting and then like you had to like, like Mar Odyssey, you had to like do like a little platforming thing or something to then come back out on the other side somewhere else. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I just want to see a general return of the Minish. I know that was a concept for breath of the wild that they scrapped. Um, I I love the Minish. I obviously love Corey. I I am the Forest Minish. That's why that's my name. So just having that um, that race return would be a really big thing for me. I think yeah. all these are great ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it, Nintendo. Let's just bring everything. Over. All, of, bring all, it all of the Zelda stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Legend of Zelda Ultimate Edition. <laughs> um, do we got time? Let's do one more. Okay. Um. Drew says, whenever Breath of the Wild 2 arrives, what changes or improvements are you hoping to see from the first game? Ooh. Dungeons. That's a bigger, that's a bigger mm. question than I was expecting to do the one more. Well, on. okay. Well, the, the one after that is the one that I read and was like lost in thought thinking Oh, about. yeah. No, no. That makes sense. I wasn't, I'm not even looking at it. I, I um, think with the changes and improvements, I just want to see like the durability of weapons I, I, I'm not sure if I like them too much. I want more variability, like mm-hmm. like variety of 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 those. 
Um, I, I just think of item management in general with Breath of the Wild 1. It was a little bit of a slog to me. Um, so really? I would like that improved. Yeah, it, it just... Like it. I know it was, a lot of people did. I always push back on them. You know, it was just unorganized to me. And I was like, okay, now I'm going to go all the way over here to get the big yeah, sword or whatever. I didn't hate them for being different. I thought the Master Sword fixed it for a lot of like, yeah. a lot of the complaints. Like once you get the Master Sword, it doesn't matter. But to me, I think it... Like it, it enhanced like having more item slots than having less, and it always kind of made me like one of you know one of like kind of like let's okay let's get more weapons more shields so I can carry more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always had so much stuff and there's always so much stuff around all the time. There was never a point in time when I was playing Breath of the Wild where I didn't have a weapon, like outside of like the first five minutes. And I feel that, like when yeah. most people talk about that, that's what they say. And it's not only did I not have a weapon, I had twelve of my favorite weapon. Yeah. So, like, I never didn't have the one that I wanted either. It just seems inefficient at that point, though. Like, you have 12 of one thing. Why don't you try to, like, refill one of them in, in some respect? Or it just seems like a lot of baggage inside the item management that doesn't necessarily need to be there. They can improve and change that a little bit, I think. I, I agree with you. It doesn't need to be there. I think they want it to be there because they want it to be different. I think I just think mm-hmm. I think that's the old I think it's the only reason it, it even is that way. <laughs> I mean, they, I they think it's a good different. Yeah, it's a good start. I just And it also the, I think the gameplay mechanic that it provides is it almost it forces players to try new things, to yeah, try yeah, new true. styles. Whereas if you just let somebody pick up a weapon and keep it forever, they'll never try a trident or the boomerang or anything else like mm-hmm. so I I like I like that about it. And I feel like that always goes unmentioned is that the reason that they break is so that you pick up something else and keep playing and they want to kind of force that on you. Otherwise you're going to miss all of it. You know, you may never know that, uh, you know, like that, that certain weapons are even out there because you don't even look at it. A good way to, I, I guess, remedy that would be if they did, if they made it so that weapons didn't break and you only get one weapon of each type maybe you find them throughout the game and you keep that forever but then maybe there's certain enemies that can only be defeated with like a, a spear or can only be defeated with a boomerang or can only be, be interesting so like, and you found yeah. your trident okay and now you can defeat any enemy that swims or whatever hmm. whatever kind of enemy that is and it won't break but you maybe you can't defeat that kind of enemy until you've found that is an trident. interesting take now you're sounding like witcher that sounds Is that like, like the Witcher. I'm, yeah, it's I'm different weapons goes in against different monsters, and it would be sure. it would probably be quite frustrating if you get to that kind of enemy and don't have the That's weapon. The scary but part maybe of maybe that would encourage you to like go explore a different area. Wolfenstein you Youngblood do that. Apparently, before they fixed it, they had certain ammo types that you could only fire at enemies if they had that certain <laughs> ammo types, and I gotta tell you, that sucked. <laughs> that was so much worse. I hated yeah. that. And maybe you could just run past them if you don't have the enemy and get through the area, or maybe you just come back later when you do have the enemy or the the item for it. Hmm. I know it bothered. I'm not a saying lot of I people. love that idea, but I, it bothered a lot of people. Just like uh, like the episodic thing with Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. There's something that never bothered me. Like mm-hmm. I, I never mm-hmm. had an issue with it. So, but let's see here. Dungeons would be my answer. Dungeons. Like traditional, traditional yeah. dungeons, like thematic. I, I, I don't really know. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I mean, dungeons are good, right? I think that's an easy one. Um, Would you still like the shrines? 
Yes. With it. Okay. So yeah. everything shrines that you're fine. saying is going to be additive. I do not want to get rid of the shrines at all. Like that would be okay. a big yeah. mistake for me. It's one of my favorite things about. I don't need 120 of them. More. You need 250 of Yeah, more. Yeah. Give me all the shrines. It's, it's so disheartening to like come across, okay, it's another minor test of strength. It's another major test of strength. Like, I didn't need all those. Give I me a like, couple. I yeah. like clearing off the map. I just yeah. like stuff to do. It is fine. It's fine. I um, would like to do more. So like in the game, you can buy a house. I would love to do more of that. I would love to do more like world building. Like let me, you know, do more decorating or customizing my house or like building out my own plot or my own Terry town or something like that. That was one of the things that I really thought would be really cool in breath of the wild. Like, man, if I could have had more impact on the world instead of just like you bought the house and like you've planted some flowers, like let me kind of make it my own and not just like everybody else's and then uh, going underwater. Yes. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd Underwater, be cool. caves, things like that. that I want a water dungeon missed. and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yes. cause those are my favorite things. When I talk about like the wonderment that I felt as a, mm-hmm. as a, you as a wee lad playing Ocarina, a big part of it was like, mm-hmm. dude, I jumped into a lake and I found this bottle at the bottom of the lake and it told me to go to this other place. Like, I remember I found that heart shaped lake mm-hmm. pretty early on and I was like, oh, there's definitely something in there. It wasn't. And that's like, as a long Imagine time sinking down to the bottom with your iron boots going down, down, yes. down, down. And yeah. there's a treasure chest there as a long time Zelda fan. Like it hurts. Like when you like see a body of water oh, and you're like, there's nothing. I miss there. heart containers. I, I know what they do with the shrines and you got the spirit orbs to exchange for the, the heart pieces. And I know that's kind of the equivalent, but it's just not the same feeling as you're right. Sinking down, down, down to the bottom of the lake and seeing a treasure chest and getting a heart container. There's some magic there. There's I guess something special. Not yeah. like here's some apples. I yeah. guess we're leading to is th- like thoughtful collectibles. Like shrines kind of do that, but there's just a lot of them. And when you get to a shrine, it's like you know what to expect. All right, you're solving a puzzle right here. Yeah. Where you're saying is this is more exploration and puzzle yeah. kind of merging or together. quests. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, if you go behind a waterfall, it's like, okay, you're right. You might get like one of those little diamond patches or something or a Korok seed where it's it's not like, yeah, you're discovering like a heart container or something that is, I don't know, all that helpful. Yeah, Yeah. no. And like, I'm I'm still going on my Ocarina train of thought here. I think it's because the last one I played, but like having the big Goron sword, which is completely unnecessary, but Mm -hmm. totally you can't have. And like, you had to piece that thing together and have it forged and all that. Like having little side quests Mm -hmm. that are optional. You could choose to do breath of the wild. Didn't have too many of those, you know, like Mm -hmm. we had like the DLC, but that's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to have more of that. The trade sequences, you know, that involved like random encounters with people at certain times of day or certain things like that. That's all great stuff. That's why I play the game. Can I go back to Zach's question real quick? Um, where the game mechanic that was present in a past Zelda game that we would like to see make a return in a future mm-hmm. Zelda game. I thought of one other thing. It's not really a mechanic, but I really want, and it'll never happen, a sprite-based Zelda game again, like a 2D top-down sprite. It's like not a Link Between Worlds style where it's like the 3D model type thing, but like like Link to the Past, Minish Cap. They'll never do it ever again for Zelda or Pokemon, but man, do I love sprite work. I miss it. It's not popular with with the newer generations. That's why they won't do it. 
Like something that looks like Octopath Traveler. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule I it out at all. It. Maybe think, someday it'll be like a nostalgic thing they'll go back to, but I think it'd be one of the it'd be something that they hand to somebody else to do for them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Cadence of Hyrule, I yeah. guess. Yeah, but I can like definitely it, see them doing yeah. it. Yeah, I miss it. I miss Sprite Base. I wish Pokemon would go back. I think that sprites have so oh, much please, more charm. Yes. So much more charm than 3D models. With Pokemon, I agree with you. Yep. I'm not saying a link between world looks bad. It's just different than what I want. Yeah. No. And and there's there's room for all things to exist. Yes. Right. You know, like that's the same thing with Mario. Like I want Mario to go back to sprite stuff. <laughs> like I think, yeah, ex- Mario's another good one. Like I love how the new Link's Awakening looks, but it's it's I miss sprite work too. I think they definitely could, or they they definitely could work with somebody to do that. They're probably getting pitches night and day. Like after Cadence, like there's probably a bajillion people that are like, please let us make a fucking <laughs> game. Know. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. All right, ladies and gents, that's going to do it for us this week here in the Nintendo Shack. Thank you for hanging out with us with episode 177. And we will catch you next week as we uh, talk to Garen about more Monster Hunter. Play with Monster Hunter with me. Bye-bye. <laughs>